I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Have you ever watched an apocalyptic sci-fi movie and wondered, could any of this really happen? I'm Carrie Bechet, and on Hypothetical, we explore what-if questions two ways, through speculative science fiction and through insight from the world's most brilliant scientists. And spoiler alert, your favorite sci-fi movies aren't nearly as far-fetched as you may think. Time travel with me into our possible futures on Hypothetical. New episodes every Tuesday available on all podcast apps. That's Hypothetical, H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. Hello, world, and welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. Just a heads up to my listeners, I am currently um, on a bit of a, a break from the show. However, I've recorded a few interviews um, to get me through my break, so there will not be a lapse in uh, episodes, but I did have to record some in advance, so... Uh, this episode in particular, we are talking about a film festival that has um, already since happened, but that does not mean you cannot still see the film because I'm sure it will be coming out soon. And when I know, I will share that information. Uh, but I just wanted to give you the heads up that these are recorded in advance. They will be for about, I think, the next uh, four episodes or so, um, maybe three. I, I don't really remember. I have to look at the Google calendar that has the information because my brain does not have it right now. Anywho, let's get to the show. Today, we have Paula Rhodes. Now, you may know her um, from Resident Evil, the video games, or maybe you know her from New Adventures of Peter and Wendy. Um, maybe you know her from Barbie, Life in the Dream House. She is an incredibly versatile actor, uh, on-screen, off-screen, <laughs> um, voiceover 
video games, um, animation, all the fun stuff. And hey, she just directed her first feature film called Delicate State, which just premiered at a, a great film festival here in Los Angeles. And we talk about what it's like as a female creator, an actor, um, and it was a, a great pleasure getting to know Paula. So here is my conversation with Paula Rhodes. And welcome to the show, Miss Paula Rhodes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> welcome. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, I know that you said you had an interesting morning uh, this morning. <laughs> yes, adulting plus creative life is always um, an adventure. We yeah. had a car stop right as we were trying to get to the kids to school. So, um, yay. Teleportation is going to be awesome when we get it, guys. Oh, my God. I would love to be able to teleport. Like, that's the one, uh, like, magical thing. You know, when right? you get those questions, they're like, oh, what's the superpower you wish you could have? Teleportation is always number one for me. Never have to look for parking. Yeah. Never have to worry about traffic. <laughs> right. I, I can go to New York for dinner, come back. Awesome. Bye, Coastal. I mean, come on. Right? Oh, God. It'd be so great in our industry to be bi-coastal like that. Like instantly bi-coastal. Can you be here for the callback? Yes. Yes, ma'am. I can. (laughs) See you in a second. (laughs) Uh, Future us are going to be awesome. What now? Future us. We're going to be so awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I keep waiting uh, for like the flying cars and whatnot that we were all promised. Like, when is that going to happen? Yeah, I feel really like we were sold a, a pony that didn't arrive for sure on uh-huh. that one. So, totally. You chat with totally. these cartoon writers and their parents. <laughs> well, speaking of being a creative and also adulting, um, let's talk about your new film, Delicate State, since Yay. you filmed this whole thing while you were actually pregnant, which is like mind blowing to me. <laughs> it was, uh, oh, she's such a unique beast. Um, kind of born out of necessity, puns, puns intended, I suppose, um, because I, so much of, of how we define ourselves is via our, our art, our craft, our career, you know, and, and facing, um, your body, your vehicle changing so much. I was very nervous about what that was going to look like and how I could, uh, continue (laughs) on when we first got pregnant. We were very excited to be pregnant. We tried for a while. Um, but yeah, I think after a number of times of bugging my husband about it, he once just kind of was like, well, just make our own movie. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's a thing. I'm going to do that. <laughs> and we got a good camera and kind of looked around at what we had, which was essentially uh, us yeah. <laughs> yeah. at our location, our home. And uh, And then I started to think about what was really consuming a lot of my mind outside of my craft and my art area. And that was noticing that the the civil dialogue for the country was just like spiraling out of control. Mm. And I kept hearing social media and and mainstream media toss around this term uh, civil war, like more and more nonchalantly as if they were almost rooting for it mm-hmm. without any idea about what being in a war looks like. And for the most part, I was seeing these were men saying this. And there is something about being your most vulnerable and realizing that there are currently women all over the world also in that state uh, having to face it in a nation torn apart by war that I was like, let's humanize this a bit. This is, mm. this needs to be a bit of a cautionary tale because before we rush towards some cliff because, you know, we can't bother to 
discuss things with people that don't agree with us on everything, then, you know, I don't know. I think at some point I, I just felt that responsibility and wanted to try. Granted, yeah. this was 2015. <laughs> Ooh, so baby. I had no, no idea how far we would spiral. Um, yeah. And we captured a lot of it over the course of our first pregnancy and a little bit, a few pickups from our surprise pre- second pregnancy. And, uh, nice. and filmed all over the country marches protests uh political conventions uh a lot of a lot of stuff that happened uh we did not go all the way through this january but we did go through some pandemic uh we did get one shot of empty shelves in grocery stores um i think that might have been the last shot we did for pickup but just to hopefully you know have that dual purpose of 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 a cautionary tale uh hopefully for our nation in time as well as to empower other storytellers because i think that the real magic in being a creative is in that ability to change hearts and minds and mm. and empowering others to do that too to get their stories out there so i'm like guys if i can make this movie when i'm pregnant with two people i promise yeah. you you can do it tell your tales tell your stories because it, it, and if the first, you know, year or two, I'm sitting there thinking like, is this bad? Is this awful? I have no idea. Um, and then we got, um, you know, some really great feedback from friends that viewed it. And then I ended up submitting to the Chimera project, which if you're a female filmmaker or are non-binary as well, please connect with them because they're such an amazing resource and community. And uh, I won uh, some finishing funds to them for their to oh, wow. get her award. And some of the best champions I could. <laughs> They're amazing. And they ended up um, putting my name forward and helping me win a special screening that Slamdance was sponsoring at the Hollywood Arclight. Wow. Uh, last spring. <laughs> we all know what happened about then. So then along came oh, COVID no. and that changed. But we took the whole year to polish her up. And now we have a world premiere coming up this Saturday at Dances with Films and uh, at the famous Chinese theaters. And I, I, it doesn't feel real, <laughs> but I'm wow. over the moon to get this baby out there. That's so exciting. Was this your first time making your own feature as well? Because I know looking at your IMDb, you've you've dabbled in it in the series genre. But was this mm-hmm. your first time with a film? This was my first time with a feature film. I've definitely yeah. done a number of shorts and, and series and, you know, uh, yeah. smaller bite-sized <laughs> storytelling. <laughs> and to be fair, it's similar, just more of a, you know, long-term, right. <laughs> more of a marathon. Yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> The same muscles, I guess. But yeah, this was my, my first feature film endeavor with all those hats. I will say there's a reason that we have crews because, man, yeah. am I going to appreciate the heck out of them next time. It's lovely to collaborate. <laughs> God, isn't that the truth? Uh, I mean, but it's so cool that you did it with your husband, too, and that you guys were like this two-person army. I mean, how was it working <laughs> with him and having that experience? Were you guys able to separate things a bit and like you know, say, okay, this is work time. This is, this is home time. Cause I know with like creative work, it's hard to do that. It's hard to separate. It is. It, it, because we had such a long period of it stretched out where we could be like, uh, you know, days and weeks off. And then all of a sudden we'd hear someone was coming to town and and closing a bunch of streets. And we'd be like, oh my gosh, we're going tomorrow. Grab your camera. Let's just jump in the car and go. (laughs) Um, We need this shot. And probably the one doing this was was me, right? Because I'm right. <laughs> the right. The type Charlie A. is an incredible sport and an incredible uh, climber of learning curves. So while, if it was something that I was like, I can't figure out this microphone, uh, I'd be like, here. And all of a sudden, he's sound guy. 
Um, for the most part, I could handle a lot of it, but every now and then I'd be like, okay, well, let's give you DIT duties. Uh, I don't know if there you go. Me for that one, but, um, <laughs> but he handled everything beautifully and uh, I love working with him. He is such a wonderful, gifted human and, you know, and we can totally fight it out if we need to and then make up. <laughs> love that. I think there's something really special with creators who work with their family. I've worked with my mom a lot and I oh, like... I yeah, it's fun. And I think it's my mom. Yeah, we do. We do features together. But it's it's always been an interesting balance trying to find that like, okay, what comes home and what doesn't come home? Right. If you have a, a tiff over the creative side, how do right. not let that span into? But I, I think there's project. something special there, especially like you look at the Duplass brothers and, and, you know, people who have really been able to balance you know, family and personal life with also creative. And I think it, it brings an element that you can't fake into it. It's also probably based on communication in a way, because yeah. if you're able to communicate with your family, right, you, you got to work through the kinks. There will always be mm-hmm. kinks. <laughs> but right. if you maybe, uh, if it's somebody new, a stranger and you're, you're collaborating, it can be harder to find that balance of where you're able to uh, speak up and assert to not assert, you mm-hmm. know, like find that, that, path to mm, creative arguing yeah constructive criticism (laughs) and I think it also it speaks to I think more for female creators right I think that we Mm -hmm. have to we're constantly trying to fight harder to get what we want to be able to do what we want to make the choices that we want and so when you already have that base that person who's with you like saying yes let's do it like Mm -hmm. oh my god a thousand times easier you don't have to try and prove yourself in front of a new crew or anything yeah it's it's such an interesting dynamic isn't it like having this weird forever stereotype of like the male director smoking the cigar giving orders in the distance um (laughs) I have very black and white, apparently, stereotypes. Very black and white. I like that. <laughs> but we, we still do fight that, like, who's the tallest guy on set? That must be right. Um, Where here's this five-foot-tall woman, you know? And I love working with female directors. Some of the commercials and different shows I've worked on lately have been phenomenal female directors, and they all bring such different, interesting energy to it, where mm-hmm. it's not directorial in the um, – ruling a nation in the bad way, right. <laughs> not ruling a set, um, energy, more a collaborative energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think America Young stands as just such a wonderful example of that, of being able to command respect, but mm. it's like empathetic respect. You'd never be afraid yeah. to come to her with something. So it's, it's changing the vibes of sets. And some people are always going to have an issue with that, but of course, gosh, the ones that don't, I love it. Cause it really does bring a lot of magic to have different energies. Yes, it's true. So let me let me go back with you. Let's go back to the beginning. How did you get started into the industry? Were you also one of those children that like never stopped singing and performing and like making a fool of themselves? <laughs> Probably. I wish I could sing. Oh man, those gods passed me by. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it stopped me too much, but it's not good. Uh, but I I was always a performer. For sure. I memorized Conan the Barbarian when I was like four-ish and would perform bits of it with Schwarzenegger's Stop accent um, <laughs> for family. Uh, so it probably should have been a hint to my family. But we lived in, you know, not 
creative capitals in mm. growing up, like Missouri and Arizona and Colorado. Uh, so it wasn't until I got to college and I uh, entered a pageant as a joke um, because I thought <laughs> a tall pageant person, I thought it'd be hilarious. And I ended up winning <laughs> because the trick is, guys, if you're not worried about it, you'll probably come off better in a pageant. Yep. Uh, but I I parlayed that into internships in, in New York that summer. And while I was there, I was like, well, I might as well do more than one internship. So mm. I was doing like four or five internships <laughs> and learning the business side. And that's when it really clicked for me of like, oh, these are just humans. And a lot yeah. of them are dumber than I am. I can figure this out. I can make this work. Yeah. And um, I took took the leap after school and, and moved out to New York for three years wow. where I had to face the hard reality that I cannot sing at all. <laughs> and so Christian Chenoweth, oh, I will never give you a run for your money. Um, but eventually got out to LA for an audition and realized, A, weather, way better. B, yeah. a lot more room. And C, it was okay if I couldn't sing or dance. And I started yeah. booking um, commercials and voiceover and things that could really supplement and let me live as an actor as mm -hmm. I pursued, you know, the, the larger stories that I wanted to tell and start to try on uh, the other hats, the storytelling, the producing, the, the writing, the directing yeah. hats and realize like, oh, I like all of this. Mm. And sometimes that might only one hat might fit. And it's lovely to just be an actor and be taken care of. <laughs> but sometimes it's awesome to, you know, be the parent of the set and be the producer too. So uh, yeah, it was, it was, a, it's never been a like, oh, I was overnight success. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't kind of want to punch those people that have that experience. Totally, one hundred percent. Right, yeah. some punching. Like I'm like, all right, Ryan Reynolds, get over here. I need to, I need to punch you real quick. And you're cool. <laughs> yeah, like, I need to punch. punch you. No punch. Um, but you no, know, it was a very slow, rung by rung climb that I'm still climbing. And I had to long ago yeah. realize, like, it's not about getting to the top; it's the climb. I like the climb. So mm. here I am, liking my climb. You can shop from anywhere, doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I want to talk to you about the the voiceover stuff because I mean your your resume is just filled with these fantastic roles like Resident Evil, Barbie, Doc McStuffins, like all the stuff um, that you've worked on. 
And I find it interesting that you said you were able to find it to supplement so that you could then actually go after like the bigger things that you wanted to go after. How did you fall into that? You know, it's crazy. I I probably shouldn't have even used the word supplement because initially it was sort of like, well, how can I not be a waiter anymore because I I don't like humans when I do that. Um, (laughs) And I, I was doing other thrival jobs like nannying for directors and things, which was great. But when I finally got my foot in the door being able to pay creatively, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to downplay voiceover. I shouldn't have to, sorry, voiceover. No, I'll no, no. You. I don't think You're it's downplaying, it. but I think it, it's, <laughs> it's cool that you found a way to, to find the way to pay for your life yeah, doing by being creative. Life. And it, it, so it is its own track. There are people that are just voiceovers and they are phenomenal too, voiceover yeah. actors. Um, and I found that I just kind of like to, to have a very mixed bowl of all yeah. my skills and storytelling uh, things. But I, I kind of, I also, I took my commercial agent at the time who had a voiceover department and I kind of ballsily went in and uh, told them I had a meeting with the voiceover department. <laughs> and uh, they were like, you do? I'm like, yes, don't check. I do. Just, can I just talk to Mark real quick? And I went in and I offered them a commission for a little tiny regional radio thing that I'd booked uh, via a voiceover class that I'd taken if they'd start setting me up for voiceover too. Mm. And they were like, well, what voices do you have? And luckily I had like prepped a couple and I had like 12 or so to run down and they were like, okay, all right, we'll try. So I kind of uh, got into it that way. And it's something you always have to be working on. Like you, it is another craft in a way. So I've, I've, I've really enjoyed the voiceover community and jumping into like different workout groups and um, the, Mm. the Gardner collective and stuff is an amazing one. And just meeting other actors in that space and, and utilizing their skills. And my, my movie wouldn't exist without a lot of them because of the production mm. value that being able to build out the world of just what you hear. Uh, it was key to, to creating this exact story that we were telling in this alternate timeline, right? So we used a lot of voice talent from actors um, to do that. It's pretty cool. <laughs> that is pretty cool. And like having it's, it is its own craft because being able to figure out the different voices and the different things that you can do with your voice, I mean, you don't just sit there and, like, figure it out unless you're, like, doing it with intention. Right. If only. I would love to just sit there and have it come up. But, yeah, no, it's right. um, it's, its own odd craft. And sometimes you have to just be honest with yourself and be like, okay, well, something's not working right now. Let me go back and tune in stuff and <laughs> go back to workout groups. And I mean, again, there are probably people that you want to punch because it's easy for them and they're great. But most of us, it is a large part of rejection and we just constantly, you keep at it mm. and keep uh, adjusting where and when you can. Tell me a little bit about the Resident Evil family because that is such a, it's such a fun game and it scares the absolute crap out of me. <laughs> Which one have you played? I care. I think it was the fourth one. Oh, okay. There, those are some scary ones. So I'm, yeah. in, I'm in seven and eight. So okay. I'm in Biohazard and in Village. And they're not necessarily in order because I know they came out with like some. Yeah, I know. Things. I've been trying to figure out how to play them because I, I played four with my friends. And then <laughs> okay. I was like, I want to play them by myself. But I don't know that I can do it yet because I'm a little scared. And they're different types of creepy for sure. Yeah. Um, and Biohazard and Village are sort of connected. Um, I okay. play Evelyn in both of those. And then I play Angie, this very creepy little... Um, 
bride doll persona um, e. in Village. And she's wonderful e. and delicious. And although we had, you know, such a great clan in seven, too, and some of those came back for eight, uh, and we got great response from fans, it was nothing like we've gotten for eight that just came out this summer for Village. It's It has been overwhelming the <laughs> the response fans have had. Maybe it's that we're we've been locked up so long and we're all just like humans. Um, But, and, and the fact that we didn't get to play together as much while we were filming it either, because we filmed probably half of it over COVID and motion capture is such a fun um, space to play in and voiceover is in that you can do it safely Mm -hmm. on your own, essentially. Like you can be in the VOM 30, 40 feet away from the other actor. They can move you closer in post. The director can be in Japan. The, right. you know, the producers can be 50 feet away over here. So I was amazed at the precautions they took. It was probably the safest set I'd experienced. Um, but they they did it. And, and to see it all come together now and the support that the entire cast has for each other and that the, the fans have is really touching. That somehow they found in this scary, creepy tale of a family uh, – they found kind of this connection to the villains and you know what? And and I guess it comes down to the fact that when you're, when you are a villain, you're never the bad guy in your own story, right? Like each villain thinks they're doing right. Otherwise it's kind of a cartoony villain, which I mean, you can be in a video game, but but because there is that still that humanity there, they, they're oddly empathetic. (laughs) So yeah, Capcom did a great job with it. The, The fans are phenomenal and I can't wait to see where it goes from here because it's ah, it's just been a blast. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to play it. I'm gonna have to like literally go download it after this and just lock myself in my room and play it. My, I think I'm going to. My section is particularly suspenseful. Oh lord. Oh lord. <laughs> okay, I'll prepare myself. I'll have like a vodka soda before I do it or something. <laughs> um, but you've been you've been working in in you know live action stuff for forever as well too i mean you've done so many things your resume is like endless like boundless um i, think I aggressively something... push back against the like don't the pick a lane mentality i'm just like no yeah i like that lane too <laughs> i mean i feel like i'm i'm like you in that way where it's like i don't want to just do one thing i want to do all the things but i think that's no. also a very like type a personality type of thing where we're just like can i do it all and there's many too. women i find that are really good at multitasking that we can oh, yeah. do this and I found it really striking when I first started pitching, when I was first just in like web series, pitching that kind of TV mm-hmm. around. And um, I would sit there with my male cohorts or co-creators and they would pitch something and just toss out like, oh yeah, bro. And I probably like wrote this role for myself. Nobody would blink. I'd be like, cool. And then right. if I or other female creators, as I talked to them and realized this was something that was happening to lots of us, would do the same, mm-hmm. it'd be like, mm, let's not take on too much or get ahead of ourselves here. Um and that was really <laughs> aggravating. <laughs> and yeah. um, I wanted to change that. I mean, even even now I have amazing actress friends, which I won't name them in case they're they are trying to pivot, but who have who've moved on to mostly directing. But when in doing mm. that, they've had to like completely cut off the actor side of themselves and like pay PR to help them paint just a directing picture. And I'm like, well, but why? Why would a, a jet yeah. like is Taika Waititi still doing a role in Suicide Squad? Like, right. he's not like, I was never an actor. Don't address right. me that way. He's, he's like, cool, yeah, I'll do a part. Um, so I don't, I don't think we should have to cut off different branches of ourselves. I think it's all one big, awesome tree. And women are equally, if not maybe more so in some cases, you know, uh, prone to good multitasking. 
I yeah, I mean I feel like women are are better at multitasking. <laughs> just gonna say that. Um, I mean, look, I, I have another kid you know, we... in the room right now, guys. Come on. <laughs> right. Yeah. I I definitely think that it's like a skill that we learn at an early age too, because of like the responsibilities that women are supposed to take on. Yeah. I think that that's like something that's just kind of like ingrained in us as we grow up. Like, oh, but you have to be in charge of this, this, and this too, and also this. And make sure and it's like, okay, well, if I have to do that, yeah. If I have to do that in my personal life, why can't I do it in my my professional life? Indeed. So I love that the narrative's kind of starting to shift, or at least people are addressing it, which is often a precursor to shifting. So uh, I I continue to aggressively push back against picking lane. Do it. All the lanes. I love that. I love that. I think we should start our own group of, like, women who don't pick a lane. Yes! (laughs) Because I feel like that's needed. There's so many groups for, like, women directors and women actors and women whatever or non-binary or whatever it is. (laughs) Yeah. This is the the no lane zone. (laughs) All lanes. All lanes welcome. (laughs) All lanes welcome. We love that. Oh, my God. Um, Well, in this show, we like to share audition stories from the Mm -hmm. acting lane. Um, So are there some audition stories that you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) You guys have to realize it's, if you are not Ryan Reynolds, then you are getting tons of auditions that are no's before you get yeses. (laughs) And even in between the yeses, you still get lots of no's. Mm -hmm. Um, So sure, let's think of one. I have one bonkers one that I've shared a little bit, but um, I think it bears repeating. Uh, So uh, my husband, I met him on a horror film. He was plotting my murder. Yay, like nice. you do. Um, and <laughs> shortly before he worked with me, he uh, shot Transformers with his one of his now best friends and mentors, uh, Glenn Morshower. And Glenn also mm. runs a bunch of, I mean, Glenn's been in everything. I think he's on the, the resident Supergirl and 80 different things right now. Um, and he's in our film. <laughs> See what I did there? Oh, hey. Uh, but he he runs a class, too, in Dallas, an acting class. And and he'd always done like um, motivational speaking or something. And at one point he had told Charlie one of the secrets that he gives in classes uh, about always having a secret when you go mm-hmm. in for an audition. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, sure. Nothing wrong with that. I'm with you. Cool. Uh, but his specific secret was to make it physical by putting food somewhere on your body. All right. So okay. Charlie tried it. And he was telling me this tale of how he'd tried it, how on the film that we met on, he was like, no, this works. I was like, I'm going to try Glenn's trick. And he was like, oh, I'll just stop by the vending machine. What do they got? What do they got? Um, oh, Funyuns. Okay. And he got wasabi Funyuns. Oh, Charlie. He proceeded oh, to no. put those uh, in his underwear and no. go into the audition and run around wrestling and whatnot. And uh, it was a very active audition. And, uh, <laughs> and it definitely burned a little. And as he's walking out, he's noticing little like chip crumbs coming out of his pants that he probably left all over the audition room, but he booked it clearly because we got, we are now married. But so he tells me this tale and he's like, no, I'm serious. It really works. It gives you something that's just like a little smirk almost that, you know, and they don't know. And it's just, it's just magnetic. They're drawn to you. And I'm like, okay, all right. You know what? You and Glenn, you're pretty great at this. All right. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. I got, you know, guest star audition for this, uh, for In Plain Sight. I know I babysat for Mary McCormick. Like, this is great. I want to try it. I got to get this thing. Um, so my genius decided to put peanut butter in my shoe. 
<laughs> so I, I was like, I shouldn't drive there with it. I'm going to pull over like as I'm parking on the lot and I'll, I'll stop. I'll have it in a baggie. I'll put it just a little bit in my heel, uh, high heels, because that's fine. And I'm, I'll go in then with it squishing there. And so I, I did that. And I went in and I, I think the character was sick or something. And she had to like, like kind of lounge down and look. Well, I don't know. There were like two chairs or something involved. And I, I'm sure I moved a little bit in the audition, but I overall felt pretty good about it. And I, I walked all the way back to my car afterwards and you know, lots aren't small. So it was a, it was a hike. Um, mm-hmm. get all the way back in my car, have my baby wipes ready to like clean off my foot. And I'm like, wow, what do you know? That was pretty smart of me. That was, wait, hold on. Where is my insole? Because I have small feet and I had to put insoles in these heels to make them fit. And at some point, somewhere, probably in that audition room, a peanut butter covered insole had probably slipped out, unbeknownst to me, and sat there, possibly to this day. Uh, uh, yeah. So. Oh my God. I didn't get that role. And I don't know why. How did that- <laughs> So I've never tried the food trick again. And you know what? I have held a beef against uh, Glenn and Charlie for that. They continue to laugh at me like, why would you put peanut butter? But look, Funyuns, bologna. I mean, yeah, that was a bad decision. So that was a bad decision. Like the Funyuns were stupid, I got to say, mm-hmm. especially the wasabi ones it's in the funny. underwear. Like, oh my Lord, what are you doing? Why not like your pocket or something? Yeah. No, they're like on your body. <laughs> but I just, how did... I want to know how the insole came out without you I knowing. I don't know. I, I blame gremlins or like really <laughs> evil elves. I don't, to this day, it's a mystery of like, oh my God, how embarrassing. I don't think I've ever been back for that casting director, oh. <laughs> but I'd have to check to be sure. But oh my gosh, I'm probably peanut butter shoe girl to her forever. Because if they even bothered to find out it was peanut butter, because honestly, right. if I see a brown covered insole sitting somewhere, oh. I'm going to be like, I'm not touching that. <laughs> Oh my god, I didn't even think of that. But um yeah, guys, I'm gonna go ahead and recommend uh different sort of secrets for your auditions. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Different secrets. Not that. Please don't do that. Oh my god. That was fantastic. That's a great story. Don't put peanut butter in your shoes, friends. Just don't do it. That's a bumper sticker. Oh, man. Well, I have had such a fantastic time talking to you, and you're definitely going to have to come back on the show when you have another film that you're you're going to uh, put out there. I hope you're working on other ones now. Are you? We have a, a table read we just did for one that I wrote that's a female-driven dystopian fantasy. So, Oh, hell yes. <laughs> hell yes. Love that. Um, well, I'm very excited. I cannot wait to see Delicate State. You'll have to keep us updated on how we can watch that. So um, what is your social media so people can keep up with you? Absolutely. So for my personal one, it's just my name, Paula underscore Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S, like the scholar. Uh, and for Delicate State, it's at Delicate underscore State. And that's across uh, Twitter and Instagram for both of them. So find us follow us i would definitely appreciate it uh coming along on the journey and i can't wait it's gonna be a fun saturday and hopefully uh more festivals and our distribution to come heck yeah i have had such a pleasure and i can't wait to see the movie and thank you for everything i look forward to more films from your mind oh thank you jillian and thank you for sharing these podcasts they're really enlightening i love hearing everybody in their hilarious audition journeys (laughs) thank you Such a joy to talk to Paula. 
Um, great conversation. And I'm so excited to see her movie, Delicate State. Again, when I know uh, when it's coming out, I'm going to make sure to tell you guys. But also, you should follow Paula. Um, I'm going to put her social media in the show notes. Follow Paula. Hey, I'm a poet and didn't know it. Oh, wow. That was bad. Anyway, uh, follow Paula. And hopefully we'll all get to watch Delicate State soon. Maybe we should do a watch party or something because I'm super stoked to see it. Um, And yeah, tune in next week. I'm going to have Rana Roy on the show, who's currently on Gossip Girl. And uh, she's got some great stories to share with y'all. So tune in next week. Until then, make sure you're following us on social media. Those links are in the show notes. We post some fun stuff. So go on over to Instagram and check that out. And hey, if you like the podcast, make sure you're subscribed. Uh, Leave us some love, some stars, some words of encouragement. And uh, if there's somebody in particular you want on the show... You should message us on Instagram or Twitter um, and let us know who you want to hear some stories from. And as always, thanks for coming in. Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.